0: All right, this is the A. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman This is the A, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. We have Peter Fitzsimmons here, actor and art connoisseur. How
1: are you doing, Pete? Hello, hello. Doing well, doing well. All right. So good to be with y'all.
0: Nice I, I know Pete from Off-Broadway West. We did Lifetimes Three. And uh, when we do uh, Foreman in Paris, I believe um, you will be Ollie Harrington. Uh, So that'll be exciting.
1: Another opportunity to uh, emote. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: But you've acted with uh, all sorts of theater companies uh, all over the Bay Area, and also you have an extensive film uh, background as far as acting in film.
1: Yeah, I'll give you a quick snapshot. Uh, Six years old, I was involved in a production of Under (coughs) Undermilker in San Francisco at the Playhouse. Mm -hmm. I played Ring Around the Rosie, and I got the bug because I like to make-believe of going into the dark theater at night as a kid and experiencing, you know, the Under Milkwood set, which was a Mm -hmm. wharf kind of a scene with old sailors and salty dogs and all of that. And from there, I was performing in in elementary school, Mm -hmm. junior high school, on stage in high school, college. Started the Black Magic Theater Company with uh, Adela Barnes. At that time, she was known as Lovey. Mm. We terrorize the UC Santa Cruz folks. Nice <laughs> with, uh, black magic theater running into you yeah. Know.
0: We'll get into an ordinance story just in just okay. a bit. Okay. Um, Norm, how's your week? Happy Pearl Memorial Soros Day.
2: A, that's that's how my week <laughs> is. Congratulations. When you direct and the show opens, it's like, oh, my job is done. Damn. Birth that baby. Birth that baby. <laughs> so, but it's weird because it's a workshop. We actually have a pickup rehearsal on Tuesday. Okay. And I'm supposed to talk with the writer later today about some possible adjustments we're going to make. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of neat uh, the way this workshop is set up. We've got a full cast, and we had designers and, you know, everything, costume lights, set. Um, but the focus is on developing this piece. It's, mm. You know, it's gotten to that point where it's time to get it off the page and get it up on the stage. So know right uh, It's called Scapegoat. It's a lot of fun. It's um, a middle-aged uh, comic book writer has created the first African-American superhero one- back in the day. And that character has since fallen, you know, out of favor, and they're thinking about uh, ending the series. When all of a sudden, uh, all the events, current events that have been happening, start to get into the book, and things suddenly get a little wild and wacky.
0: <laughs> Are there
1: alludes to Marvel comics and Black Panther and Not all that? Not
2: directly. Or? That's one of the weird things about the show is. Um, so he had a concept when all this stuff started going a few years ago. When like when there was the Dallas shooting, where you know black man gets shot, there's protests, cops get shot. <laughs> um, you know, everybody on every side was just mad and right. and angry. And he thought, what if there was a superhero who could absorb negativity?
3: Mm, That's mm, what we need. Mm, mm.
2: So he started working on this concept. Well, the funny thing is, when he first had that idea, he didn't think about um, he didn't. He, it wasn't a black character. It wasn't a black superhero. Mm-hmm. It was just as he started to develop the piece that it was pretty clear that that would make sense. And so <coughs> the story – and, um, yeah, we um, – and so we were open and we, we got some reviews. And one of the reviews talked about the balance between the comic books and the main character. And I don't know that it's a criticism to say that the comic book side is more interesting. I worked hard <laughs> to make sure the comic book side worked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the writer and I are going to talk a little bit about that because, you know, there may be a way to allow the audience to engage more with the with the main character, with the writer.
0: But I've always thought that Playground, because these are new works, so these are so uh, so playwrights can sort of see what works and what doesn't work. It's not well, this has finish. gone
2: through the whole. Mm-hmm. So Playground started with doing these little shorts, ten minute plays, every month. Excuse me, during the normal theater season, and now we're in their festival. So oh, they are doing wow. Best of Playground, which is the best of those, you know, six shows drawn from those evenings of six of ten-minute plays. Um, there are some commissioned plays, so that some of that work, the playwrights have been asked to go ahead and flesh it out into full work. Which Scapegoat was originally, mm-hmm. and now it has taken the next tier, which is their two works. This and a show called Bright Shining Sea, mm-hmm. which are in rep together, um, running. For like the next month. Wh- which venue? Where were you? Playing? It's uh, used to be called Thick House. Now it's called. Hills. Petrero Stage. Petrero yeah, now it's called Stage. excellent spot. But yeah, uh, yeah it's uh, it's neat to see that sort of development too. I was involved with it when it was first, when it was just a commissioned work and it was just a reading, mm-hmm. and now to see it fully realized is really exciting. Exactly. Fantastic. So, yeah. So that's taken up all my time.
0: <laughs> and that'll be playing until June the seventeenth, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, in right. rep. Yeah, I think. I don't remember which one so it's closes. Like a rotation out of kind of thing. Yeah, like uh, we just had three shows. They'll have the weekend. Um, actually, I think the weekend is uh, the best of. This oh, no. is the last weekend for best of. Mm-hmm. So that if you like shorts. What I love about an evening of shorts is if you don't like one, you just wait ten minutes <laughs> and they're on to the next one. Right. And this is the stuff that rose to the top during the season, so it's pretty. Oh, nice. Stuff. So
0: you're part of best stuff.
2: I'm not part of best stuff because that's the, we're the festival of new works. It's okay. all happening in repertoire. Oh, oh, got it. it. I understand. It's I understand. Saying. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's playground's chance to kind of go look at what we accomplish. This isn't mm-hmm. the monthly stuff. Is sort of you know the writers get it and they've got a few days to knock out a piece, mm-hmm. and then it gets thrown in actors' hands, and it's a staged reading. This is the best of that, and now realized with, with set and mm-hmm. lights. And
0: so wonderful. it, pro- it could be the best of for, let's say, another, because they do the best of, what, once every year, or?
2: It, they do it every year at the end of the season. Okay. Um, so, yeah, Scapegoat was one of those, and then mm-hmm. it became a commission work, and now it's become a workshop production. Awesome.
1: It's yeah, interesting fantastic. to see it's the great. evolution of how that, that goes down. It's
2: rare to yeah. get to see. I, you know, as a young actor, when I started to do Bay Area theater, I, I very quickly got involved with development work because mm-hmm. there are a lot of companies that have that, and they pay. So, you know, to get a week's salary to come in and, you know, knock out a few hours mm-hmm. on this work, and a lot of it is table work because mm-hmm. it's really for the playwright to hear, <coughs> is exciting. But what I noticed very quickly was, doesn't matter how good or bad those works are. Most of them just end up on the shelf. Mm. It's like the company got paid money to do development. They did a little bit of development. They gave us some crumbs, and then the work goes on the shelf, and they go back to producing somebody else's work or the latest thing from Broadway or whatever. Um, So Mm. I was really shocked. And then there are companies that do a serious workshop where the thing actually gets on its feet, and that's kind of cool. But you don't see that very much. Um, I know The Magic has brought one back. They had one called Hot House like over a decade ago, I think. Oh, I remember Hot House. Yeah, and it was like three shows in rep, Mm -hmm. uh, but they were new works, unproduced works. Um, And now they brought back something similar to that. There are other organizations that are doing similar things. Mm -hmm. This thing with Playground and the Shorts allows writers to get in quick, and when somebody's got either a fascinating idea or just a style you can't ignore, It rises pretty yeah. quickly. I'm noticing Very.
0: that's that's a sort of a theaters are doing that. Like this past week, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I was involved in a company called the Unscripted Theater Company. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've heard of mm-hmm. the, them, and uh, they were looking for actors house? to do cold reads. They are right across the street from. Oh, uh, because I met Rodica Rao, who was. Um, it's not Cutting Ball. It's, um, it's, it's, it's Berkeley, it's, San Francisco.
1: It's in oh. San Francisco. Okay, it's not it's in N05. Sutter.
0: It's, 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 it's a place on Sutter. Oh. 833 Sutter. Huh.
2: Not the playhouse.
0: Um, no, it's not the playhouse. Um. Huh.
2: Not the exit. There's a lot going on cra- around it's there. It's across
0: from crowded fire, crowd, crowded fire. I don't know where a crowd fire is. Oh, you don't is. know where a crowd fire is? But no. in any case, it's a I place I know song. where they rehearse. I don't yeah. know where they perform. But in any case, uh, they're exciting at 833. It's me <laughs> to hear you guys right.
2: <laughs> talking about what's going on right now yeah. with all this activity. Yeah. <clears throat> right. There's a lot of new energy.
0: Yeah, That's I know. Good. And there are a lot of yeah. companies who are like, okay, we're not going to do the good old-fashioned stuff. Right. We're going to bring in a new playwright, <laughs> develop it, yes. and then produce it. Mm-hmm. And it's very exciting. So I was involved in that. I basically, they needed an actor to do a cold read. Right. So basically, that's what I did. And that was fun. And it was good to collaborate and mm-hmm. connect with folks. I got a $10 check. I mean, what's 10 bucks? Right. But, hey, it's Better something. than a
1: poke in the eye. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but it's yeah. it's the connection and the collaboration with folks. Right. And right. so folks are doing this. So we have that. There's also, I've talked about Play Cafe. Yeah. And they also are Musical Cafe as well. Right. And they promote new works as well. Right. So there are all sorts of companies that are producing new work so it's the bay area has
2: got this energy Mm -hmm. and i just i want to know if there's that next tier and i know like i know central works for example works that's right they're part of a um i don't know what the organization is called but they do what they call rolling premieres Mm. so if you're a new writer because here's the problem you're a new writer and you get your play up you finally have your world premiere whatever that means Uh, it means it's the first production and suddenly people looking for new work look overlook your piece Because it had its world premiere. Right, right. And unless it somehow just really struck a chord, it just goes on the shelf. So this rolling premiere concept is a bunch of these theater companies are in relation with each other. So let's say I do have a playwright I know, and I want to promote their play. We're going to produce their play next year. I can put this in the rotation with the rolling premiere – If it gets interest from a couple of other companies, then it becomes part of a rolling premiere. And it may be over a year or so. They've got like a year to go ahead and do theirs. But that way, that writer walks away with at least three productions of their show right off the bat. And they can say, my show was done in Seattle and San Francisco and Boston.
3: Right. Mm -hmm.
2: And it's a wonderful idea, especially for companies like that that are – producing new work mm-hmm. because otherwise you're just still doing the same thing you produced i produced pete's show and now pete's gotta go find somebody who's interested in doing the, next the next second th- show next one. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: like i had um you weren't here norman but i had isaiah duforth mm-hmm. and he talked about producing a piece and having his piece done mm-hmm. several places Jeannie baroga right she's also had pieces done right several other places so it's wonderful to have a company that you work with Mm. that is also a conduit for other companies in other places in the United States.
1: Because you guys are talking about from the writer's point of view and the producing and perhaps the directing point of view, but I'm actually hearing you say all this activity, and I'm thinking about all the upcoming young actors that now get a shot. That's exactly right. And they get a chance to stretch out and Mm -hmm.
2: be seen. Well, it's kind of cool. They don't get to go with the show, unfortunately, because it's three different or Mm -hmm. however many different companies producing. Yeah. So unless you're going to fly up to Seattle, yeah, right, yeah. right, that ain't going to happen.
0: But at but least you <laughs> can say, <laughs> well, I, I do.
2: I do know actors who do that." I'm shocked. Yeah. You must have some place to stay. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's the main thing.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. So right. I was
1: going to say when I was, you know, doing the theater in San Francisco at an early age. Later, I, you know, I got to college and I got sent to Hollywood. I was literally on Highway Five and One Hundred and One more than I was anywhere. Right. Going back and forth, because my my, my heart and soul was in San Francisco, but Mm -hmm. I was getting some acting in in Hollywood and doing the TV, uh, episodic, they call it, you know, I started on Room 222 and did a bunch of TV series, Mm -hmm. but literally, I'd come back to San Francisco, and at one point, I found I was doing more stage and theater work up Mm -hmm. here, in in the Bay Area. So, I worked with the Berkeley Rep, I worked with the Berkeley Shakespeare Festival, Mm -hmm. San Francisco Rep, Mm -hmm. and all the way up to... uh, I guess it was the Oregon Shakespeare Festival where we were doing a show doing fences. Oh up, oh in, nice. up in Portland. Who's mm. you
2: playing fences?
1: I uh, was Lions. Oh uh. Lions was too cold. Mm-hmm. And I had a blast. You know, and then yeah. I to see this movie with Denzel and it was just wonderful to see the recognition from sure. my man who wrote the play. Yeah. So anyhow, yeah, so I so I'm just saying that, you know, you do have to go where you have <coughs> to go you right. work, you get to get the work. Yeah. Sometimes you end up on the road. Yeah, right. yeah, that's it's, exactly
2: it's right. A, it's unfortunate that you can't just step out of training and say, okay, I'm ready to do this. Right. If there's no opportunities where you are to do that, then you need to go someplace else. you got to go where the work is. And mm-hmm. it's horrible. I know from college, um, there was a guy I went to college with who amazing musical theater, like uh, Nathan Lane.
0: Mm-hmm. Height. Yeah, um,
2: yeah. And the school we were in was a serious theater school, so they just totally discouraged that. And he came out discouraged. Oh man! And so yeah. now he's writing music, and he and he has been singing over the years. But in terms of pursuing a career, he would have been better served someplace else, and he would have been better served to get to a market where that's what's going. That was going on. Yeah,
1: the encouragement that you need, you know, the nourishment doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, yeah, exactly. A lot, of, a lot of folks, you know, fall by the wayside. Well, I've been. I've been. And in this those who
2: got it ha- get to have to. Express that gratitude, no uh, no, that humility. Don't mm-hmm.
1: lose that humility. Brother, exactly, you, you're gonna be going up. You're gonna be going back down.
0: Well, we we jumped right into it. Um, do we want to get into current events? Or we can continue well, to that's a current <laughs> event. Or do you want to? <laughs>
2: well, I love come back to current events. I love it to hear
1: your your story, Naomi. Mean, I mean, this is amazing. What's going on with your with your uh, opportunity right now? I
2: yeah, am, I am. I'm trying to stay busy. Yeah, and yeah. Yep. and what's funny is I know I got to a certain level and suddenly I was being pushed. Not pushed. I had too much free time and I had some talent for producing. So that's what I started to do and suddenly that was taking up all my time and acting kinda went to the side and I, a few years ago said, Wait a minute, I really want to be on stage and I'm <laughs> yeah. tired of going and seeing shows and thinking, Oh man, I wish I could I, I could have done that
0: <laughs> Yeah. It's amazing the door you open to do take one job and the right. doors you shut. Right. Yeah. You look at the door. You shut them. Yeah. Like, oh no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So occasionally that happens. Um, we usually get into current events. I'll just go through. I mean, so many things were going on. Um, I'll just run through them. Stop mm-hmm. me if you sure. if something hits a button. So on Sunday, John Lewis and the Congressional Black Caucus back Capuano and not black female Presley for the Massachusetts Democrat seat. Oh y- yes. Okay, oh, I understand yes. that. So John Lewis. So basically, there was a Massachusetts. Um, oh, Democrat uh-huh. seat. Right, a black woman is running, mm-hmm. but an incumbent white guy is right. running. Right, and so Presley's like, "Oh my God, the black caucus will rather have a white guy who's been around for a long Why? time, right, rather than the new black
2: woman." Well, because they're the congressional <coughs> black caucus. They they're just a bunch of folks that are getting paid, mm-hmm. and that seems to be their primary function. Yeah, mm. uh, and and protest. <laughs> oh, we protest that. Mm. Yeah, you protested. You don't even work nine to five. You protested. What is it, eleven to three? Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm sure they're deeply disturbed about something.
2: <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> That's, yeah. You know, I was like, okay, y'all. I'm yeah. Deeply
1: disturbed.
0: So on Monday, a nine year old was kicked out of his class for kneeling at, uh, f- at on the flag. Whoa! National anthem. Ooh, this is yeah. a precursor <laughs> to the NFL, <laughs> right. basically making their statement that they were um, going to punish. This happened on Wednesday. NFL will find mm-hmm. players if they kneel before the anthem. I
2: hope that goes to the Supreme Court. I hope the kid goes <clears> to the Supreme Court. I hope the NFL gets sued too. Did yeah. you Say elementary school.
0: Yeah. It was elementary school. He's nine years old. Wow. And and I think the teacher had given an apology, but basically the parent was like, "Hey, listen, you know, this this is just getting ridiculous." Right. Okay. Uh, Tuesday. Uh, no. Back. Still well, Monday. I would say I don't think he yes. should
2: have kneeled. I don't think he should have kneeled. I mean. A I don't quiet, know why he was kneeling. Yeah, a, a quiet, you know, if you want a quiet protest, that's fine. But when you kneel in a classroom, you are drawing attention to yourself.
0: Mm, yeah.
2: And the reason that Kaepernick started kneeling was because a Marine that's told right. him that it was disrespectful for him to sit when the flag was going. And that what they did was when it was for a fallen comrade, they would take a knee. Mm-hmm. Oh, that wow, was, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. That was why he started doing it. Mm. So it wasn't sitting. Mm-hmm. You know, and it wasn't standing. Mm-hmm. And you know, he wanted to find another option.
0: And it's interesting how the NFL thinks that it has a compromise. Well, if you want to protest, just do it out outside out of, of the sign. camera. Yeah. Do it in your locker room, <laughs> which is not what a protest is about. Well, right. I mean, I, it's just the whole thing of, well, it's affecting our bottom line. I think that's a lie. I think that's I, a narrative is which a is completely
1: lie. false. Well, we're used to lies in these these right.
2: yeah. I, I think the uh, I think the boycott. Mm-hmm. is probably affecting their bottom line as much as taking a knee is.
0: Yeah. I well, sure. That. Yeah. Uh, also on Monday, Al Sharpton pops his head up and says, white male supremacy is on its last breath because of Meghan Markle.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> because okay. she married aristocracy. Ooh. And it's we're, like, we're, oh, we're, for we're, God's we're sake. We're going to
2: get to the orange creature <laughs> in a little while <laughs> Yes, Please. we are. I'll, I'll save, save my comments. Tuesday, out. a
0: teen is ordered to pay $36 million for starting an Oregon fire. Uh, there was an Oregon fire that started on teen, And, of course, he, he he can't pay that much. I no, don't of even know why. Right. Okay. Also on Tuesday. Unless bet- he
2: suddenly starts, like, Microsoft 2. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Betsy DeVos, right. uh, she is oh the, yeah, she. Secretary of Education. Yeah, exactly. She tells, she says, teachers and students can report undocumented immigrants. Right. Did you hear about this? I did hear. Yeah. Horrible. Uh, also on Tuesday, a CNN reporter is not allowed to attend the EPA speech.
2: Right. Yeah. Well, no, it was a whole conference. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Because so, second day they were still banned. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Wow. like
1: – What's up with that?
2: Uh, because they he does he feels like they don't report him Scott Pruitt right he he feels they don't report him right. favorably.
1: That's because he does so many horrible things.
2: Right. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. And but you know to right you're gonna. Ban the press. That's censorship. That's That's exactly. That That's sort of illegal, unconstitutional. Exactly. I believe. <laughs> I believe so.
0: They showed his credentials, tried to walk in the door, and I guess they had a list of right. favorable right. Uh, reporters that they wanted to right. attend. Right. Their official statement was, well, we don't have enough room, which is a bunch of BS. Right. there were free rooms there, yeah. Just go on lie to us. Yeah. It's okay. Also on Tuesday, Congress votes to repeal part of the Dodd-Frank 2008 banking regulations.
2: And I'm not clear on this. I'm not clear on this at all. It seems to me like not a good idea. I've heard a bunch of, well, it's going to make things safer in this way and that way. And I'm like,
0: huh? See, we've already – I mean, this is getting a little wonky, but we've already taken away Glass-Steagall. Right. Which was the the, – it was a regulation created during the Roosevelt administration basically to say we're not going to have the stock market crash happen again. Right. If you are a investment bank, you can make investments. Right. But if you're a commercial bank dealing with everyone's money, right. leave it alone. Right. During the Bush administration, this is George W. Bush, yeah. they took it away because right. banks wanted to play with people's to, money. To get in the game. And bank. the subprime yeah. loan thing happened. Right. And now they're taking away the regulations again. Yeah, I know. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's just really, really can't horrible. Can't wait for November. And I heard today, I was, I was eating with uh, Craig Dickerson, and I saw in the news that they're currently trying to take away immigration regulations. Yes. They're battling they they're about right now. They're trying, yeah. So it's just really, really horrible. Thursday, Trump cancels the North Korean summit, and then Friday says, well, maybe it's back on again. We, I have no idea what's going on with the North Korean summit. But
1: th- well, see th- that's, be- that that's because, because he, he doesn't either. Hmm? <laughs> it's because he doesn't either. He doesn't know what's
0: going on. He well doesn't no, know what's anything. going
2: and this is what I loved. I I have joined Twitter. I'm, I'm yeah still learning how to tweet. Mm-hmm. I've I joined st-
0: Twitter this week too.
2: Yeah, oh yeah, I saw that. Um, and so what I posted when I saw that was I just grabbed the story from, and it was just from a few days prior,
3: mm-hmm. uh-huh.
2: Bolton said the stupid thing about Libya, where we use right. the Libya yeah, model, yeah, right. yeah. and that's when the North Koreans, so it's not that Trump canceled this, it's that the North Koreans said they weren't going to come, and so then Trump canceled it, the w- same way that he disinvited the, uh, right. the warriors, right. when the warriors said they wouldn't come to the that's White right. House, oh yeah, we're yeah. not inviting you. That's right.
1: He <laughs> so wants to be the one who <laughs> s- jumps to, right. you know, mm-hmm,
3: so
2: to say you can't yeah, come. Yeah. You, know, it's, it's, you know, I wish the media would report it right, because mm-hmm. that's the correct... Way to report that, yeah. Right. And another this thing, is the sequence of events, right? Exactly, this is exactly. What exactly.
0: And another thing, so you may not know this, but there was a vigil of evangelical ministers mm-hmm. that marched on Washington Thursday evening. Mm-mm. This was the minister. Um, his name is. Hold on for a second. <laughs> uh, just had it, and actually, I talked about it during the Faith Podcast. Mm. Um, is the same minister who presided over the uh, the royal wedding. Oh. oh, okay. okay. He, um, Curry. What? Uh, is he Michael, American? Michael Curry. I didn't. Uh, yes, Michael I didn't Curry.
2: Know that. Wait a minute. So, an American presided over the royal wedding? Yes. Oh. It was, it was <coughs> outstanding, actually.
0: So, and uh, so less than a week after his star making sermon at the royal wedding, it's Episcopal starting. Michael Curry sets up his sights on U.S. politics hmm. and he warns somebody woke up Jim Crow. <laughs> and he, there's a, there's a
2: <laughs> great way to put it.
0: There is a movement going on. And I talk about it on my faith podcast, reclaiming Jesus, a confession mm. of faith in a time of crisis. We uh, need it. Yeah. Mm. Basically saying, and I'll just read this real, real, real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, the present crisis. And he's talking about how evangelical right, the right wing evangelical yeah. sect sure. um,
2: have sold their soul
0: Yeah, to Trump. <laughs> calls us to go deeper, deeper into our relationship with God, deeper into our relationship with each other, especially across racial, ethnic, and national lines, deeper into our relationship with the most vulnerable who are at greatest risk. The statement rejects resurgence of white nationalism and racism, oppression based on race, gender, identity, and class, misogyny, sexual harassment, abuse of women. It goes on and on. And it goes against the autocratic political leadership and America first policies. Mm -hmm. And it goes on and on. Now, the press did not talk about this at all. I mean, there was right. a march on Washington, no, I, I and nobody knew anything about it, mm-hmm. which is shame, because if it didn't bleed, it doesn't ble- doesn't bleed, it doesn't lead. I was
2: reading um, Baldwin, of reading some Baldwin short stories. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, and it's and it's an old paperback, so I'm fairly certain it was published. I need to look at the date, but I'm fairly certain it was published back in the day, Mm -hmm. but it must have been when he was starting to focus more on essays and less on, on writing fiction. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, his family was very religious. And so there's a picnic. One story is set where they go out for a picnic. Um, it's a big, you know, um, Forget what to call it, um, like a revival meeting. Oh wow! <laughs> on a boat. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, well, and he keeps talking about how they they call themselves the saints. You know, yes, there's a lot of saints today. A lot of, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And I found myself fascinated with it as a concept. Um, and it's not the first time I've encountered the concept. This idea that the life that we are living is where you need to be doing – you need to live that saintly life. You need to be doing your good works <coughs> mm-hmm. now
3: mm-hmm.
2: Uh, because you are of God. You are part of this mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you truly believe in the spirituality, you need to be living it. And I couldn't – That's that was my takeaway from it. It's like I'm not much enjoying the story, but I found myself again thinking – American Christians. What are Where you are doing?
1: You? Where are you?
2: Where are you and what are you doing? Because okay. we know that side is loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. But are yep. the rest of you just silent? And and how does that how does that intersect with your faith? Yeah. Because I don't know. But I know you can't opt out. You can't keep doing the mm-hmm. well we gotta just trust in God when it's stuff you don't want to deal with. Right. And then you out in the streets screaming and, and doing stuff yeah. when it's stuff you're
0: against. So. Isn't it amazing? And I, I, I have tons of thoughts about this. I don't want to turn this to a faith podcast. Isn't it amazing how the right wing Christians will say, well, I, let's say a prayer. If a kid gets shot right. in, in school. But if a woman wants to have an abortion, they're, they're running out in right. the street. They're no, no, no. Stop, arms, stop that. Swaking
2: arms in front of right. the building, trying yeah. to run people down in cars, yeah. shooting doctors. Yeah.
0: So, and the last because thing God is. God gives you permission to right, shoot exactly. doctors. Right, exactly. And the last thing is Morgan Freeman was accused of um, yeah. no. uh, sexually harassing eight women. Yeah, yeah. And His
2: apology was weak.
0: Yeah. His apology was weak. I, I don't think he's dwelling into... I'm
2: sorry if I offended. Oh, please. Hey,
0: it's a tough time to be uh, you know, caught. Yeah. <laughs> it's
2: a tough time well, to be Well, George Takai was accused. Yeah. But no, no. the guy has sort of recanted. <coughs> um, I read an interview with somebody who actually interviewed him and who had mm-hmm. actually been covering the story for a while. And it's funny because in the middle of the article, he says, I was ready to Harvey Weinstein Takai. You know, that he was going to go there... Whoa. If he felt like that's what the story was, Whoa. he was going to find it. Mm-hmm. And he went to everybody he could, and he talked to all these people who knew both people mm-hmm. back in the day, um, everybody who was aware of the story and what they'd heard. And then the neatest thing was he went to doctor, he went to more than one doctor, and said, so I'm, um, based on this description of what happened this evening, this young actor who George Takai supposedly attacked um, – because he's now saying he's that he was roofy, yeah. that he was drugged. Right. You know, he said when the Cosby mm-hmm. thing came out and then when um, Kevin Spacey, and he was like, oh, my God, I realized what had happened to me, and I'm so angry. So as he started interviewing, two days into his interviews, he started to say that he had been drugged. Mm. He wasn't saying it initially. He just said he'd been there and that he felt like he'd been groped. Um, Takai says he doesn't remember the occasion at all, but even given the guy's own description, he was there, they had strong drinks, He went – he was sort of passed out. Takai helped him sit down in a beanbag chair. The next thing he knew, Takai supposedly was taking his pants off and reaching for his underwear. Mm -hmm. And he said, whoa, 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 I don't want to do that. And Takai said, I'm just trying to make you comfortable. And he said, no, I don't want to do it. And he jumped up and he said he felt dizzy, but he was able to get his clothes back on and get out of there. So they asked these guys who know – what happens when you give somebody a date rape drug? And they said, well, number one, those sorts of drugs didn't exist back then. You know, you would have been talking about something like Quaaludes, which has a different effect. But anybody who's had any of those drugs, the common thing is, one, you can't – even if you are conscious, you have no ability to get up and do. So that's one. uh Two, most people who have this happen to them report – the worst hangover of their life the next day, uh-huh. which this guy didn't have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there were like three classic symptom symptoms. This guy didn't do any. He said, "What it sounds like is he had a lot of alcohol, which by his own description, his own admission, he mm-hmm. did, mm-hmm. and that he stood up too fast, got dizzy. Which wouldn't happen if you if taken the drug. You wouldn't if you were feeling rude. You wouldn't have gotten up and felt lightheaded. Mm-hmm. You'd have." You'd mm-hmm. have just been I- unable to get up, or yeah. you'd have been falling, and he <coughs> wasn't either of those things. So they're like, it doesn't sound like it. What we know of the drugs that were available at the time, yeah. nothing would have done what he's talking about. Drinking too much and not being used to it and getting up, yeah, might have done <laughs> it. I but do have a quick. I was
1: just going to say, for me, for the bigger issue, it's like the Hollywood mystique, and especially back going back to the you know, the olden days of, of, right. of Hollywood and the Golden Era and all that. You know, the casting couch was instrumental. Right. And powerful people, you know, exploited their power. Mm -hmm. And it was just part of the game. now we're in this new era where we're able to review and and understand some of these actions. And it's, you know, it's horrible. But at the time, it was status quo.
0: Right. Yeah. You know, I I had had a deeper question. And it it ties into what you were talking about, James Baldwin talking about. Mm an idyllic time where, you know, like uh, black people would, you know, let's say come out of church and, oh, they're the saints or whatever. You know, there's, and I think about Cosby and I think about Morgan Freeman. I'm sure they're saying in their minds, I do this all the time. Or, you know, this is sort of, and I think about my dad. I don't want to throw my dad under the bus or whatever, but Uh. basically (laughs) back in the day you go walk down the street and say, hey baby, what's going on? And what what have you. And Pete, you know, you're of an age, um, I'm guessing, I don't want to, are you in your sixties? Yeah, I mean, I, we'll go there. <laughs> 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 well, but but I still ex- play a
1: forty-year-old. <laughs> no, no, right. hey, That's you look, right. hey, you
0: look good, and you know you're in fine. <laughs> yes but you can look. talk about an era,
1: absolutely, of, of
0: absolutely. a time, and it's one of the reasons why I wrote *Foreman* in, in Paris, where you know Richard Wright, especially him, mm. and a bunch of others, are black men at a time right. that they could walk. I mean, there was a time, you know, the Mad Men era talked about the the the, recla- the reclaiming of the white man in power. Right. He right. could wear a hat. He could get an ad agency right. job, and mm-hmm. he was in control, complete control. The Frank Sinatras and all that right. stuff. The black man's version, you don't get a lot of examples of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the black exploitation era, you had Shaft right. and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you have emerging – In the
2: jazz era, yeah. in the jazz club, in certain places, yeah. you have that.
1: Yes. But even then – well, you look at, like, the, the, funk, I mean, the heaviest, like Nat King Cole. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. people who oh. like literally, you know, mm-hmm. could build That's right, record could, studios. Record know, record right. And puppets. he goes
0: along the mainstream. I, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: So there are examples. I mean, there are
0: exceptions. Right. Yeah. But, but I do wonder, is there a decline of, I guess, that era, that black man? I mean, we talked last week about um, Glover. Um, um, Donald Glover. Yeah, uh, oh. the dude who uh, did um, okay. the.
2: I watched Atlanta. Yeah,
0: Atlanta, or this is this, this is America. He's this now in America. the movie um, oh, Solo. Gambino, but yeah. now you oh. have these new black, and of course we see it with rappers all the time: Jay Z, mm-hmm. Kanye West, sort of the new black man. Right. But are we seeing the demise of an older generation of the black man, as far as this is what it means to be?
2: Well, it's I think proud, it's trends. I think it's yeah. trends. Okay.
0: Okay. You know. Yeah, um, I don't
2: like that. Because if we go back, what a decade! We get um, like when I once I figured out, found out, really started to understand who Drake was. Mm-hmm. I was so horrified. <laughs> uh, no, because it's all front. It's yeah. all front. Yeah, this is a Canadian, a suburban black, half black, half Jewish boy from Canada.
0: Yeah.
2: Huh. What the hell has that got to do with gang life and and anything? What Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. hell? Yeah. And and he's one of the biggest you know grossing rapper. I'm like, so this whole thing is bullshit. But (laughs) that's where America's comfortable right now. Sure. Sure. And then we get and and even with the with the ascendance of rap, where suddenly gang culture. So people like you and me Mm -hmm. were relegated to trying to live in the world that we've been to -hmm. navigate the world the way we've been navigating Mm -hmm. it. But suddenly there's this very attractive option that if I just want to talk a little shit, maybe I want to dress, a you know, bigger T-shirts, baggier pants. Yeah, yeah. You know, cut my hair with, you know,
0: mm-hmm. random… Gold chains or know Stripes yeah. all over yeah.
2: Yeah. the it's place. It's like you say, it's Gold trendy. Chains. It's trendy. Right, yeah. it's trendy. But if I'd have done that 15 years ago… I can imagine how much, how many women mm-hmm. I, I could have gotten, how much more attention, even career-wise, mm-hmm. how much more I could have been doing. Sure. And I'm like, well, but, but that's all. It's a facade. Yeah. So. Where, do you, where do you sell out to do that? You know? I mean, because I think part of what you're asking, it's to me, it's like with the gay culture, mm-hmm. where, um, like, one of my best friends, you know, went through high school kind of closeted came to San Francisco, kind of came out, but, you know, still, even back then, you navigated certain neighborhoods, you were careful mm-hmm. anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And to this day, he can still be that way. And he is shocked that the young kids – I'm like, young high schools have LGBT, you know, groups and, and associations and, you know, events and all kinds of stuff. It's And the kids in class are likely to stand up and say, oh, somebody says, oh, that's gay – you can't say that, and it's not the gay person speaking up and saying it. Right. So, that old style gay person is feeling a little ironically closeted. Mm-hmm. You know, either they can be quiet and just live in the new world, or they can hold on to their old identity. Mm hmm. And try to navigate the world as some sort of old timer, because I really feel like that's what you're saying, what you're asking. Mm-hmm. Is somebody going to hold on to that old school yeah. way of being a black man?
0: Yeah. Or what What do people look upon when they say, oh, I just I want to be like that person? Right. Imagine for a millennial, it may be Glover, it may be Kanye right. West, it may right. be whatever. Right. I guess it's I guess the days are over when it would be oh i don 't know shaft or if it would be I guess once a time it was Bill Cosby, not right. anymore and yeah. now
1: now, in that sense, Bill Cosby and Morgan Freeman, I mm-hmm. mean to me, these are icons right in the in the world of acting, performing arts, and all of that, and then you get in it's hard to separate the actor and his talents from the person right, the real person right you know, mm-hmm. the man in this case, you look at Bill Cosby, my mm-hmm. god, you know he, he was so much to me growing up and and just you know. He Hope that there'd be more folks that got the opportunities he did to right. become who he was. Right. And now he looked in deeper into his personal life and you get all these claw- skeletons coming out of the house. Yeah, right. And with Morgan Freeman, I mean, I just... My heart goes out because, you know, mm-hmm. I love the actor. I love right. I love his message, what he's right. said over these years. And now to just cut him at the quick because of some sexual innuendos mm-hmm. as wrong and horrible as they could be,
3: right.
2: mm-hmm. you know, you're just... A conundrum. Yeah, well, but with I with the Morgan you, go ahead. Freeman. It's, yeah. um, it's basically groping that he's being accused of. Yeah, right?
0: well, I, I read in depth into it. I think it's a little bit more. Basically, he created a company. It's interesting. He created a company because he wasn't getting a lot of opportunity as a black actor. Sure. So he created a company <laughs> to sort of promote actors yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, sort of like a consulting company for actors. Mm-hmm. And he created a very misogynistic culture oh. within the company where even his um, assistant, Right. Who was a white woman? Right. He was even, you know, talking suggestively. So basically, he was like, "Hey, I've got you here, and I'm going to look you up and down, mm-hmm. and I don't really care." I mean, this is a whole this is an article, sure. whole expose on CNN. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I talked to a bunch of folks. As a matter of fact, my um, I want to call her my office wife, <laughs> sure, <laughs> because we've been um, office mates for about 20 years. But uh, wow. she said, "Hey, you remember Morgan Freeman tried to date his own daughter?" And that was, you know, news oh. back in the day. And I was like, wow, that is right. So there is some creepy. But I hear what you're saying, Pete. I mean, there's the actor. I mean, can you separate Heathcliff Constable right. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, from yeah.
0: Bill Cosby? Yeah. I also think about Richard Pryor. I mean, that is an individual who was on stage vulgar and right. crass or whatever, right. but so real. And he just put it out there. Right. You have a feeling, well, there's nothing in the closet because we've seen it already.
2: Well, that's – so um, Atlanta, we're, we're slowly mm-hmm. making our way through. Mm-hmm. Um, so the episode that we just saw, uh, there's Paperboy, the, uh, the rapper right. who he hangs with, his old right. buddy. Right. And Paperboy goes to a, an event for the kids, some sort of benefit thing. And, um, and he gets into it with this other guy who is blowing up and just pissing him off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the way he gets away with what he gets away with in the media – and he's pissed about it. So he's at the back of the room watching this guy do some more antics. <laughs> and he says to this reporter, uh, I just feel bad about what happened. Uh, you know, I'd love you. If you want to interview me, um, I'd be happy to, you know, do an interview. And you could get to know the real me behind the rapper. Right. And she just turns to him and says, you need to play your role. Huh. We don't want him to be wrong. We do want you to be wrong you need to just play your role. You need to just shut up and play your role. And I think that's what we're talking about because if you're saying a Richard Pryor, Mm -hmm. you know, anybody who has come, or Red Fox, you know, anybody who's Mm -hmm. come up on that side of it, Chappelle, Uh you know, I'm going to be a little vulgar. That's a part of who I am. Mm -hmm. They're playing that role. Now, what would be fun with Chappelle is to see him in a situation where he feels free to sort of exhibit some intelligence and some sophistication mm-hmm. because he throws it in there every now and then just to let you know it's there mm-hmm. but he really plays more on the ain't it stupid <laughs> ain't it weird ain't it funny that <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. every now and then i mean he he doesn't i mean when i look at the ain't it stupid or whatever i look at guys like uh who's the short guy chris rock no not chris rock um oh he, oh, 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 Trace oh, oh. not tracy cat, morgan huh the cat um He's a real short guy, and he has um, him.
2: Cat, Cat, oh, God, I can't think of his name. I, I
0: can't think of his name. But there are guys who. He keeps who,
2: his hair, um, he often keeps his hair straightened. No, 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 He's no. no. Kevin sandal. Kevin Hart.
0: Kevin Hart, yeah, Oh, yeah, Kevin yeah. Hart, yeah. yeah. okay. Who doesn't focus on the intelligence or the, his, his comedy is not sophisticated. Right. I really do believe, or at least earlier, Chappelle was really sophisticated. Mm-hmm. It, I think probably he's gotten more. I haven't, I haven't seen his stand-up stuff later on, mm-hmm. and also he had a he had a crisis moment himself, right? Where he had to, I guess he just dropped the Chappelle show, went to Africa, and well,
2: because he was because because of what what we're talking about, yeah. On his show, he was willing to let you know that his powers of observation are incredible, yeah. Right. But when I talk about the ain't it. Ain't it a shame that that, yeah. that that kind of a character? Yeah, you're really reducing it down to you know going to the bathroom. Sure, and when niggas get pulled over by the cops yeah. And, and yeah, so it was, it yeah to that. white
0: people be like, black um, people be like, right, yeah. exactly.
2: Um, and Chappelle was never just that, but he had enough of it in there to sort of draw the audience in. Sure, and Comedy Central was like, here's fifty million dollars, so you can sign another contract to keep doing that. And he exactly, went and he said. I need to step away, <laughs> yeah, interesting,
0: yeah, yeah, but yeah, I am fascinated, I mean, I even think about um frank Sinatra, I mean, you know, like he's had at least three oh, chapters yeah. in his life, he was the young you know pr- uh, pre world war pre war two yes. yeah, the slim and you know, and girls are swooning over him, sort yeah. of the sort of the uh the superstar the right. what do they call it the teen idol back yeah. then, yeah, yeah right, and right. then his second incarnation was the brat pack, yeah, um you know hanging out with, you know, the the Vegas guys and this is what it is to be hip. Right. And middle-aged yeah. white guy. With our one, with our one <laughs> black friend. <laughs> right. And Sammy James, yeah. yeah. Yeah, baby. <laughs> and then he had his third incarnation as chairman of the board. Yeah, In, exactly. You right. know, New York, and he's doing these, sure. you know, great big things. So he reinvented himself as a man. Right. As the dominant man. Right. Three different ways. Right. Yeah, he did, sort right. of to say, hey, this is my, and so I. I guess you know we we can go further, but you know the 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 black man where, who is the black man and what does he want to be? I know what the millennials, but I, I just see a time where you know you know guys like Morgan. And now, of course, they're being chopped down because mm-hmm. of sexual harassment or whatever. Right. Whereas I guess back in the seventies, it was okay because it well, yeah, was well, that's interesting. I'm reading the
1: book right now, Martin, Martin Luther King. Where do we go from here? Oh yeah yeah yeah. And, and you know we're just getting into it, and it's it's interesting, fascinating. But when you try to define the next thing, I mean, right. like, where do we go from the rap thing? What defines blackness or black man as we move forward? You
2: know, it's... Well, and I, yeah, go ahead. But so I, I would go say the other it's way. to
1: to be defined.
2: I would go the opposite. Because I can give you a great example mm-hmm. of somebody who has been the same man that he was 50, 60 years ago. Harry. Harry Belafonte is ah. still the same man. Yeah. But when that man went out of fashion... Harry didn't change. Right. Yeah, Harry right. didn't switch up to try and stay trendy. Right, mm-hmm. right. Harry went, I'm going to keep doing and has had a successful career throughout. Yeah. So it is possible to, you know, I think it's a danger to chase after, because then you're just chasing after fashion. You're right. just chasing yeah, right. after what yeah. is the trend. What of the I, week, I exactly. love Childish Gambino and that, like, his, the fact that he will not let somebody try to analyze his song. As soon as they want to put the words out, he'll let them put words out. But he will not let you put words in his mouth, and he's not going to answer mm-hmm. those questions for you to make it a package right. that you can get a grip on. Right. And I'm like, that is brilliant. In, in the same way that um, what's his name? Um, Key uh, Jordan? Oh, Peel Keaton.
0: Yeah, yeah. Jordan Peel.
2: Jordan Peel. Um, in the same way that I can um, I can imagine he's trying to do what he can to stop from being pigeonholed right now. Yeah, that's right. You know that he's whatever his next project. that he can go for a nice commercial project right now. He's earned it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he can just go ahead and do whatever. Yeah. But it sounds like. Well, I what think he wants his head head I think his think think next
0: thing, <laughs> thing is going to be. Um, sorry to sorry to interrupt you, or something is uh, sorry to keep you holding, or something oh, like that. Know,
2: sorry to bother you. I think so. Is that his? I thought it was. I thought, but I think that that's a smaller project. I okay. think he's got something else. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's cool. Boots Riley. Oh, you you're probably right. Yeah, that's Boots. Um, and, no, he's got a mainstream – or at least they keep talking about some mainstream thing he's about to do. Another one – this is the other thing I'm tired of in my life. Stop taking the shows that were on TV when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. And making – repackaging them as movies. Yeah. Yeah, right. what the hell? Yeah, we saw Is the first <laughs> Lost in Space, right. mm-hmm. and and Mara. Oh, she all been, this will be the know, second
0: reboot of that. Go and ahead. If we'd
2: have a had a remote, the TV would have been off. As soon as we got the <laughs> danger, Will Robinson. Yeah, because they've made this big, scary ass alien <laughs> robot. Right. Yeah, and suddenly the boy comes walking up with it, and he says. Danger, Will Robinson. It's like, wait, when did he he learn English on the walk back?
0: <laughs> <laughs> when did he, oh he trying to kill this boy <laughs> like yeah. an hour ago. But What's it, going? the point
2: is, you
1: know, when Hollywood thinks they've got a money maker, they're going right. to they're going to repackage it. They're going to put a new skirt on and some new lipstick on it. Oh him. Yeah. yeah, Will Smith.
2: Not, you know, know how many things is Will Smith? Like I Am Legend, mm-hmm. that yeah. was kind of okay. Does anyone I even remember when he was Wilson.
0: a rapper? Does anyone even remember he was a rapper? Well, yeah. us old folks do. Yeah, sure we do. <laughs> But um, but there's prints. been so many things mm-hmm. that he's
2: done that sucked. Yeah, yeah were yeah, the same thing. Yeah. Wild Wild West, oh that was one of the worst movies I've yeah. ever seen. Oh god, it
0: was horrible. Mm. And
2: and so I wish they would stop doing that.
1: Yeah. But that's a whole other thing. I mean, you know, to predict what Hollywood trend's gonna be where they think they see a dollar sign mm-hmm. it they're going to back it. They're going to roll the dice again and again and again with Will Smith as this, that, right. the other thing. Yeah. Another
2: reboot of King Kong. Another, another reboot. reboot of Cars <coughs> yeah. and another reboot of That's why I'm so Musketeers. happy that a guy like
0: Jordan Peele is getting recognition because someone in Hollywood said, well, let's take a risk. Let's right. not do the same old standard right. stuff and let's give this right. guy money and let's, let's see what he can do.
2: And he's a brilliant person to do it because he can even take that old material and he's going to go, I'm not just going to put a black guy in this because – that is really at this point that's meaningless. Mm-hmm. They've been doing that for a few decades now. <laughs> We're finally old enough that they've been right, doing it. Right, right. Mm-hmm. We see um, it now. Right. But uh, yeah, do something with it, you know. And definitely mm-hmm. don't give us the black guy with the white girlfriend just because all you bothered to do was replace the main character as black. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right, right. And, exactly. and not explain the rest of it. <laughs> if you're going to give him a white girlfriend. What does it mean? Because they, they can't go to a restaurant any place where there's black folks without black folks going. Oh damn! Look at brother.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Check it yeah. Out.
2: Exactly. And the women. <laughs> oh <laughs> no, yeah. going to be happy. And if you don't put that in the story, then it's a BS story. Right. right. Uh, yeah. You know. So where are we going next? And mm-hmm. what is it? I, I'm hoping what it is for the black men. What I'm loving more than anything, or and I always mess up his name, Coates. Um, Tinisha Coates. Yeah, um, I love that he is starting to own this space of Mm -hmm. what you need to look at is. I really Mm -hmm. think that's the black man that I want to see coming up right now Mm -hmm. is the, before we get into what I did or who I am or what's going on with me, let's start with your perception of what's going on. Let's start Mm -hmm. with what you think you see or why you think this was okay. Mm -hmm. And let's unpack that because when we unpack it and we keep tripping over all the fallacies and what you think, like... I keep getting and it's funny as I'm switching from Twitter to Facebook Facebook to Twitter,
3: mm-hmm.
2: I keep having to go back to Facebook and I've got the same I'll post something and for a week I got people commenting and getting in debates. So one lady here in Oakland really, you know, used the word gentrification and she's like, Well, but you gotta understand, I mean there's a lot of black people. The fact is, in my neighborhood next door, has videotapes, you know, there's security videotapes, (laughs) and it's always a black man. I'm like, oh, in in your neighborhood, Um, and what did I I use the term, covenants and redlining. Ah. End of discussion from her. (laughs) She dropped out of that discussion (laughs) because if she knows her history, then she knows your neighborhood ain't white because a w- bunch of white folks just happened to move there. Your neighborhood was white because they wouldn't let black folks live right. in West Oakland or way out in East Oakland. Mm. They couldn't possibly live there. You wouldn't let Jews in. You killed the Indians. It was Indian Gulch, what is now Trestle Glen, was called mm-hmm. Indian Gulch. Wow. It was called – you can wow. look on maps. You'll see it. will say Indian Gulch. Wow. Because that's where the Indians lived because that was the – it was kind of shielded from mm-hmm. the elements, this fog pattern that we get. And when mm-hmm. the weather was just socked in – They could go up the ridge and over to the Moraga side where it would be nice, you Mm -hmm. know, 20 degrees warmer. So the Indians were there even once there were settlers here. Even once this became America, there were still Indians up in that gulch. They got rid of all them Indians, made it illegal for them to be there. So you white folks didn't just go with your money and find a nice house and buy it. Everybody else was kept out. Right. So, and I know, and I. As this conversation was going on, I bump into a woman at the alley, black woman. Mm-hmm. She says, I live over there. And it's funny. She says, I can't walk my dog without people saying, oh, do you work here? Right. Oh, uh, where do you live? Uh, right. Do you need a ride home?
1: When you talk about redlining, then you're going back to the 40s, 50s. And mm-hmm. that's where it But really that's where it started.
2: Oh, yeah. And uh, some of it is still – like I know a, a couple here who – they were about to move to Hawaii mm-hmm. because they got their it's money like, up mm-hmm. and they were going to buy a house. And the realty agent, he um, has made his money DJing. He's mm. got a company. Mm. He hires people. You know, he's got folks working all over the bay mm. um, for him as well as him spinning. Um, he's got a very stable so company. He's, so he's a businessman. Businessman. And his wife's been working nonstop. Um, and they've got one child. Uh, the realtors kept showing them places in, in the little ghetto parts of town. Not oh. Rockridge. Not Rock Ridge. Mm. Not any of the little nice neighborhoods. Mm. And they started looking on their own, and they would see houses in their price range in these other neighborhoods. And they're like,
0: what's up? And that's happening now?
2: That's happening now. So these people were about to move. Yes, Reg, it's happening now. (laughs) Yeah, their boy is in the Pacific Boys Choir. Yeah. uh, The school that supports that. Right. And they said they were about to move, and the school said, well, we were going to give you a big scholarship because – He's been doing so well in the program. Mm -hmm. He's a beautiful singer. And they went, okay, we'll stay. We'll put up with this Mm -hmm. to deal with that. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, white lady, you you didn't just happen into your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Y'all don't – y'all call the cops if somebody's Mm -hmm. walking down the street. And, of course, I'm
0: surprised because I'm just amazed at how – I mean, this is 2018. You would think that we would be done with all of these old issues – that have been going around for uh, if anything over else, else they're,
1: they're they're coming back and stronger than ever. Right.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, but we w- messed up. One thing the, o-
1: the Orange Man did was he brought out to the surface yes he did the racism that is not it's always been there. Right. And yeah. now it's like thrown back in our face. Oh yeah.
2: worse and now or worse. He's, and he's got um what's his name? Carson. Yes, Carson. Ben Carson. Trying to so the programs <laughs> that he's trying to take away. Yeah. and defund. Yeah are the compromise programs that have been in there. So, yes, we'll admit there's discrimination going on, but you have to prove it case by case by case, which they do. I moved to Oakland, mm. and I had to call because I it was in the newspaper back when there were newspapers. Mm. There was a listing. I call. It's on their outgoing message. I walk in there, go to talk to the manager, and she says, what oh, are you it's, looking it's for? It's sold. It's gone. And she said, yeah, yeah, I have nothing for you. I said, seriously? I went back outside, called. It's still on their message.
0: So mm. I reported
2: it. And they send people in and check it out. They send white folks. They send a black person in Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. me and my demographic.
0: Because over the phone you sound white.
2: And they say, no, we don't have anything. And then Mm -hmm. they send a white person in with the same demographic right after. And that person gets offered. They got busted. And that was in 96. Yeah. Wow. It's still going on. But so there's a whole, there's a whole industry built up around this. And it's not fixing the problem. It's no. just going every time. It'd be like taking a hose, and every time there's a leak, you just send, okay, go get the person. Yep, there's a leak. Put a piece of tape on it. It's yeah. more
1: like when they get caught and they get outed, right. then they disappear, and another one springs up, another ten spring up. Yeah. So it's like you're putting out the fire, yeah. and then there's a force going on here. Let me, let me ask here. you something,
0: Pete, uh, yeah. because uh, – and we'll get into an origin story we real should. soon. Yes. <laughs> but you've seen this. I mean, you're my dad's age. You've seen this – From the 60s, I remember my dad was telling me, you know, I was born in Texas in 1969, and he was in Texas. He was stationed in Fort Sam Houston.
3: Mm.
0: Rampant racism Mm -hmm. in Texas in Mm -hmm. the 60s. Um, The transition between, I mean, is the racism or what you're seeing, what is the difference between it then
1: and now? Good question. I mean, I'm talking about institutionalized racism. Right. You know, growing up in the Fillmore in San Francisco, mm. and seeing Justin Herman and the demise of the Fillmore, you know, neighborhood as they try to bulldoze through it and right. take, you know, eminent domain and yeah. run, run these families that have been there forever, you know, that came mm. out for the war effort or whatever, mm-hmm. run them out of town, and uh, you talk about gentrification up right. down yeah. Fillmore Street, where you know the black businesses are gone; they've been you know, right. disrupted, dismantled, whatever. So the racism is 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 strong. It's deep. It's in. The, and I always thought, you know, San Francisco, progressive, liberal, right? But the undercurrents are still. Yeah. What we don't want to, you know, admit in many cases is still prevalent. Right? Yeah. And it's and it's affecting and directing everything that goes down from here on out until we out it, until we you know confront it, until we somehow change mm-hmm. it.
0: Yeah. I, I wonder when we talk about the liberal San Francisco, if we're talking about people who are not in a position of power, who, let's say, don't have the money, and the real money folks, I guess the business Absolutely. interests or whatever, Absolutely. still have that sort of, you know, the like the the, the realtor yeah. who... Um,
1: yeah, and I, you, know, you talk about the red line. I mean, I remember the red lines in San Francisco and, and folks that came out to, to uh, try to get affordable housing, you know, to buy a home and, and mm-hmm. get a start, and... uh Oh, the, these stories are just atro- atrocious uh, that I heard mm-hmm. as I was growing up. Yeah, with you know, African American families, yeah. whatever.
0: Speaking of growing up, um, did you grow up here in I the grew Bay Area, in San Francisco? All right, uh, born uh, and uh. raised.
1: Yeah, yeah, primarily in the Fillmore District. All right, so, yeah. so you really saw that. See, see, my dad was a was a jazz musician. He came out from from Philadelphia. Mm. You know, he was in the jazz a Navy band in Hawaii, then eventually made it to San Francisco State, and he was a a immense, a, a very good player, mm-hmm. trumpet, trumpet player. Yeah. And he ended up, you know, really kind of going, breaking down doors, along with Willie Brown and a few other folks. I mean, because you're talking about the 50s and 60s where people still had to go to the back door to get in the Fairmont Hotel. Right. Wow. You know, and so Dad eventually ended up playing with Ella Fitzgerald and all the top people. Uh-huh. And, uh But originally he was, you know, in, in the Fillmore district in the Bob, right. Bob City era, right. Era and playing in the in all the jazz clubs back in the day with mm-hmm. were all the greats and everybody came right. through the Fillmore yep. yeah. to absorb this beautiful sound and then uh, be part of this incredible scene and it was integrated and it was safe right. and it was it was hot it was happening
0: right so, on
1: so so you know I, I kind of relished that that legacy of the jazz eras of San Francisco as yeah. they broke down doors and uh, but. Yeah, the racism is. is still there; mm-hmm. it still undercuts yeah. everything.
0: How did how did the theater bug bite you? Because I figured your dad or Maeve wanted you to get into music.
1: That's an interesting. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's funny because you know my, my dad was uh, such a great player, and I got to go and you know meet incredible people, uh, Billy Holiday, Ella Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dad was with you know with Tony Bennett and you know on and on. He actually toured with uh, Benny Goodman. So I, I met a lot of the jazz greats coming up, but mm-hmm. my bug, kind of like I said early on in this conversation we're having, was I was at Under Milkwood production, and I right, I, right. I, I got I fell in love with the the feeling of of, of changing who you are and and, and the land of make believe. Mm-hmm. You know that's what that's what bu- the bug mm-hmm. that got me. Mm-hmm. So I was you know I was performing for the kids in elementary school, and it just kept going and going, and the passion become became deeper. And when I got into college, and I got sent to Hollywood, and I had a taste of Hollywood, Hollywood, Hollywood Shuffle. Mm-hmm. I was the flavor of the of the moment at that mm-hmm. time. The light skinned brother was uh, acceptable to be on a TV series where they had to have a quota yeah. of black actors. Right. No, this the so late sixties. What late period? Late sixties. Okay. No, I'd say late sixties. Okay. Two twenty two. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Julia what and were you a few on others. 22. I played a student. that was caught walking. Oh, okay. I was a guest star. Okay. Most of the episodic that I did in Hollywood sure. was was episodic, was, mm-hmm. was guest star roles, that kind of. I
2: word. remember Julia too.
1: But at the time, I never made the breakthrough to get to uh, something consistent as mm-hmm. w- which we would quote unquote call a career. Right. So my last, I would say my farewell swan song from Hollywood, when I, before I moved back to San Francisco, I was on Family Matters, and okay. I oh, had right a on. big shot, and I was playing. Lead's uh, love interest. Oh. A week later, a young man by the name of Urkel came on board, mm-hmm. and they literally rewrote the script. And it's another Hollywood yeah. p- dashed.
3: Mm-hmm. But I
1: had a, I had some shots. So mm-hmm. you know, in my case, the fact that I came back to San Francisco, started doing the stage, still doing you know an occasional movie or TV show or whatever mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to get cast in. It's because my passion is there, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so you know I'm doing projects now. More than ever, just to stay in front of the camera. I will work with the Art Academy. I'll do, mm. you know, school mm-hmm. projects, right. thesis projects, mm-hmm. just to stay in front of the camera so that my chops are up when I get another shot. I'm, right. a, I'm ready to go. Yeah, fact, mm-hmm. like You just
0: finished doing uh, something called the Art Academy too, yes, right? Yes,
1: I just did an incredible thing called uh, Out to Care, which is uh, involves something that we're all going through in terms What's of that? our our older folks, yeah. you know, and dementia. Mm.
3: Oh. And I play
1: I play an older man actually, uh-huh. in a little makeup, mm-hmm. not not too much. <laughs> and uh, my wife is uh, on the way to assisted living, Oh and so it's the the the, the day of uh-huh. she's leaving. Right, very emotional scene, and it was mm-hmm. it was a little vignette. They're going to try to get it into the short festivals. So you never I know. Was, mm-hmm. But it was for me a chance to emote, and mm-hmm. I, I dug deep, and it felt good. Mm-hmm. felt
0: good. What type of training did you have as far as um,
1: coming up? Go ahead. I, yeah, I worked. Uh, you know, like ACT. I did some some studies with yeah. them. I had some uh, other acting coaches along the way. I. Went to UCLA and playwriting actually, but I you know studied acting still. UC Santa Cruz, like I said, I was undergraduate at UC Santa Cruz and studied acting throughout there and many professors. So kind of the training was really the, the training that really meant anything was when you had the shot, when you got the acting, uh, when you got the job. Yeah. you were doing the Shakespeare, right? You know, and you always had to do all of it. You had to be, you had to have as many tricks in your bag as possible, mm-hmm. and you know. No, a lot of folks don't think about, i do that I'm not aware of, that you, if you come up as an actor these days, I and mean if you have the ability to play a Shakespearean role, mm-hmm. take it. Right. Because it's going to be added to your mm-hmm. bag of tricks, You're what you are able to accomplish. So, you know, I've done acting from Shakespeare to, you know, Ed Bullens to you name it, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Fences. And it's all part of my...
0: Mm-hmm.
1: what I have to offer yeah. gives me an opportunity to, 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 to dig in.
0: As far as the business in when you were in L.A., I mean, did you have to deal with, uh, did you have an agent? Uh, did yeah, you, for yeah.
1: upcoming folks, I say you got to do everything. And if you get to Hollywood or you get to New York, you got to get an agent because the agent's going to get the doors open for you. Right. You know, things have changed, and, and it's changing fast. But you still, if you go into that realm and in that industry, like into Hollywood, you've got to, go through certain doors. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you know that, Norman. Uh so an agent is, you know, you have to have an agent that can get you in those doors. Yeah. And you know, then, then you want to get you don't want to get stigmatized by the under five lines. You want to get a shot at a co star, mm-hmm. guest star. Right, right. You know, you want to take your where your talents will allow you to go. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's the Hollywood shuffle.
0: Um when you came back to the Bay um has been. We've been talking a lot with our guests about the transition between Bay Area theater, let's say back in the '80s or the '90s or what have you, and now. What type of a transition have you seen?
1: I was I was shocked at how much how little theater there was in the Los Angeles area, considering how many actors that come from stage that right. that embrace stage. Um, how hard it was to get anybody to actually come out and see a production mm-hmm. throughout the throughout the you know the smaller theaters. Throughout the LA area, mm-hmm. you get to San Francisco, and there's a bustling scene. There's you know, there's opportunities in the East Bay, Berkeley, Oakland. There's opportunities in San Francisco, down the Peninsula, of San Mateo. Lots of opportunities for to get on stage, mm-hmm. yeah. And then you you, know, you take it where you will. Um, but there was a definitely a, a dichotomy between the LA theater scene and yeah. the Bay Area theater scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's, it's kind of similar to what I think was happening in Seattle. Few mm. other spots, Portland. Mm-hmm. More energy for some reason in these regional spots, as opposed to what you would find in the Hollywood, you know, machine, the mm-hmm. industry, mm-hmm.
2: Is Yeah. it's considered.
0: But do you th- you say that it was bustling in the Bay Area? Do you find it still bustling now? I'm not yeah, as well. What, what companies get your attention now?
1: Well, you, you mentioned Thick House and mm-hmm. uh, Killing My Lobster. I've seen mm-hmm. a, a bunch of upcoming young, but for the black artists and. Because I was involved with grassroots experience, and a few other African American companies, mm-hmm. and those were few and far between. Right. So there was like a handful of us that could come through that way and mm-hmm. get a chance to get on stage. And then I would branch out, like I said, into the Berkeley Shakes, Berkeley Rep, mm-hmm. um, Berkeley Stage, San Francisco Stage, San Francisco Rep, just to get the opportunities going. I'm not even really. Sure, who are the companies that, are, that mm-hmm. are the hot companies? I got a chance to work with Richard Harder and his uh, Broadway West, West. Yeah. And Like you said, I did right. Lifetime Lifetimes Three, three mm-hmm. and that was a, a, a great stretch for me. It was a, an, an immense amount of work, memorization, and all of that, but it was gratifying. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it was gratifying. And we got a five star review, and so uh, I was a very I felt accomplished, and I was glad to have that next step opportunity mm-hmm. to keep mm-hmm. it going to work on your your story your um, for four Black Men in Paris and to watch the evolution of how you've changed and grown that project. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, these are just opportunities that you're so blessed to be a part of.
0: Yeah. You know, we've been talking with a lot of um, black actresses, like we had uh, Crystal Brown, mm-hmm. Anjou, and black actors as well. And we've been talking about how you know there are roles like when I uh, when I mentioned to people that I'm an actor and let's say they was like oh well there's an opening for fences or there's an opening for you know the traditional black role right. and I'm like well what if I want to do other things right. do you find this difficult to have other companies see you it, in a role is. which is not I, a traditional I, black you know, role
1: you just have to, it's it's I guess the luck of the draw hmm. I came through Berkeley Rep when they wanted to do a non traditional diverse casting thing we were doing it what was it the immigrants coming to America, and Mm. they're primarily, like, Swedish and European. Uh But, you know, a handful of us got opportunities, Japanese actor, uh, you know, African-American actors and uh, Mexican-American actors got a chance to play these, you know, non-color-specific roles. Mm -hmm. But that was that moment. Mm -hmm. Then it shuts down again. Right. Then maybe something else evolves, and you get another shot. But it's not a consistent thing, so you really right. have to go in and out of these doors to try to find out where's the path, yeah. so that I could keep working.
0: Do you ever do like the TBA generals, or how, how do you get your oh, name yeah. out there?
1: Yeah, you got to do it all. Okay. Go TBA generals. Go to any opportunity where you get a chance to audition, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you you'll, if you have the talent and the passion and the determination, you're gonna you're gonna win some spots. Mm-hmm. You're gonna win out, but you got to stay. Uh, you got to stay hungry, and you got to stay in the, in the hunt. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you have any questions? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> this, this man, I know we <laughs> share the same
1: experiences. as well, that, we? Well, like you know.
2: I was noticing when you were mentioning Hollywood, I know for me, because I, I grew up down there. Aha. So I ran around L.A. while I was finishing up college down there, and uh, it just confused the hell out of me. <laughs> there were two things that I noticed. One was the agent thing. So I'm trying to go and get in, and – Nobody is going to sign me, but I had an agent say, well, leave me some headshots and resumes. And the next thing I know, I'm getting phone calls to go out for this person. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Uh, You're not signing me. And it seemed to me that what was going to happen was if I started actually getting some work, if I started winning some work, Uh then they would sign me. And I was like, okay, that's – I wish somebody had told me up front that was going on because at the time it just confused me and I just found it really annoying. <laughs> and the other thing was, um, I was a big Sam Shepard fan and there was going to be, ah. I just read a bunch of it. Right. And, um, there was going to be a production, uh, what is it, a geography and B flat or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to go see it. So I went to see it and then I heard, you know, heard people gossiping before the show. Um, it turned out that, um, what was the, uh, the, there was a show set in Alaska, um, Another Sam Shepard. No, no, no. There was a, a TV show. Oh, oh okay. um, Shortly after that. Uh, uh,
0: oh, uh, Northern Exposure? No.
2: Yeah, Northern Exposure. Okay. The guy who was the astronaut on that mm, was yeah. in it. He was working on a project. They were trying to get up a project that was sort of a, a early Elvis mm-hmm. style story, and he wanted to play the Colonel. So there was a Colonel in this Shepard play, mm, similar to that. Yeah. And so he played the role in that. There was maybe one other actor like that who you know actually had a name and was out there, and there was somebody on the design staff. All these people got involved because folks that were gonna that were connected to this project. I think it was called Boom. I think it did actually finally mm. launch. Mm. Um, that they came to see the show. These folks dropped out of the show right after these producers came, and wow. I heard that that was common in L.A. Wow. And I was like. Oh, weird. Can you imagine being a producer and your lead actor is going to drop out two weeks into your run because the producer that they wanted to see them for, it basically, it was an audition for them hmm. for another thing. And once they did that, they were done. Wow. Yeah.
1: That was the other thing I ran into in Los Angeles when I was doing, when I had the few t- opportunities to do stage. It was so bizarre because you'd finally get a production up and you'd start to work and you do the rehearsals and the 24 7 that it takes to get something going mm-hmm. and then somebody in the cast would drop out because they got a two-day commercial shoot somewhere right. <laughs> you know or they got a day job on some soap opera well, who knows what but right. you know it's very frustrating too and that seemed to be the obstacles in more so than
0: yeah, and I'm sure money has a lot to do with that because well, you're going to yeah. go where the money is. Well, but a, the same a, case
2: a commercial shoot, you're going to get paid. Yeah, uh, make more than the typical small theater production, right? Uh, yeah, if you did a, a thousand small theater productions, you know. Yeah. So, so there is and, that, and element. that's fine. Yeah. I mean, you just have to know what the beast is. Right, so right, I didn't right. know it as a young actor, Right. and when I got up here, it was much more of a community, at least among the actors. It felt like it was much more of a community, right? And so I could make sense of it because I also remember going down. It was like the Almond Center someplace, someplace down in L.A. I'm going to audition. Um, in the lobby is uh, Brian Dennehy. Mm. Wow. On a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Back when we didn't all have cell phones, but he had one. <laughs> um, and he's chatting with somebody, and he's on the phone with somebody. Long conversation. I'm, I'm out there waiting forever, so I hear a lot of this conversation. And he keeps saying, Chuck this and Chuck that and on and on and on. Realized just from the nature of the conversation, he's talking about Charlton Heston, ah.
3: Chuck. Chuck, yeah. And okay. he's
2: comparing himself. And at this point, this was shortly after Cocoon had come out. Right. So he had, by this point, done a few movies where he was like the big name on the movie, but he was still playing heavies. Mm-hmm. And then, not too long ago, he won a Tony for um, Death of a Salesman. Yeah. That's right. I remember that. Afterwards, you know, as I'm up here and I'm established up here. I recognize that because at the time I'm just a young actor going. Who the hell do you think you are? You're just some heavy. You're <laughs> just some little guy. You're comparing yourself to Moses. Yeah, what, right. What are you doing? Right. And I realize if you don't have that that vision, that long term vision as an actor, where you can see yourself accomplishing mm-hmm. that, you're always going. They're going to pigeonhole you. They will always pigeonhole you. Yeah. And then when you're playing the young, you're the hot young thing until you're no longer, until a decade passed, being the hot young thing. And then suddenly they got nothing for you Mm -hmm. because you're no good to them as the hot young thing. And they haven't thought about what else you could do. If you weren't thinking about it, you're just stuck. That's
0: that's an excellent point. And, you know, there have been times where I've been frustrated with theater companies. I'm like, hey, I can do that role or this role, but I have to realize if I haven't shown them anything, sometimes I'll – Approach auditions, and I'll say, "Okay, I've got to do another piece. Right. I've got to do a piece to show them that I can do this thing. They mm-hmm. already see me right. doing this part of that part. right So mm-hmm. it's a way of marketing yourself. I was going to ask you, Peter, have you have you done any work in New York?
1: Never did any work in New York. When okay. I was in New York, I you know I I did the uh, Let's Explore Who's Here, and I walked in, I think, on uh, Woody Allen's you know production company. You mm-hmm. know, I was just going to slide in there and. Of a resume and let him know that I'm a hot shot in Hollywood, mm. and uh, that went nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I, but I didn't really dedicate mm-hmm. him any time in New York, mm-hmm. although I know it's you know it's a proving ground.
0: Yes, I mean, yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> My
1: brother, on the other hand, made his mark in music. The music industry when he joined up with John Hammer and a few other groups out of New York, and then ended up with. Um, with oh God, Lou Reed for the last twenty years before all his right. death, and oh. uh, yeah. so he he really established himself in New York City. So I had an opportunity to you know, like go couch shit with with him, mm-hmm. but I was more involved with the, in the San Francisco Hollywood scene. Yeah, although the East Coast was very tempting,
0: mm-hmm. but you know, it's well the weather's, beast, be- the weather's
1: the weather's better here. Oh yes, it is.
0: Well, Pete, I don't want to take too much of your time. We've passed the hour mark. Uh, shout-outs?
2: I just got my show Scapegoat. Come see Scapegoat. <laughs> That's right. right yeah. No, Now I can pull my head out of, of this <laughs> play and start thinking about what else is going on in the world. But yeah. Hit the boards again, buddy. Yeah. Hit the boards. No, Look. I, well, and I am, oh, I do have shout outs. So it's weird. I'm going to do, I think it's Play Cafe, um, a reading on the 4th. Hey. Drip, draptomania involved. Okay. Um, and then on the 6th. It's so I have a rehearsal that day for this thing on the 6th mm-hmm. and then 2 days later on Wednesday the 6th I will be doing um I don't know the name of it. Um it's uh Stage Bridge is the company. It's a company here in old in Oakland. Mm-hmm. They um it's a company for seniors. And so these are actually through the writing program, the works that have been generated. Uh, mm-hmm. they work with um Anthony Clairvaux, I believe his name is, Mm. Um, local playwright, local playwright. He's actually had some nice, you know, he's gotten some nice attention. He's been teaching a workshop. So they bring a group of professional actors in Mm. to do the readings. So I'll be doing that. So, yeah, it's funny that I got something up and I thought, oh, I'm kind of open. I've got a summer gig coming up um, running a studio. Wow. uh, Wow. Yeah, it's a workshop uh, with actors and playwrights. Wow. And so I'm coordinating that, and I thought I had nothing else going on until then, but suddenly that's coming up, and then we've got ours. Is the reading happening on the 2nd?
0: The reading's happening on the 2nd. Okay. And then I've got a talk. <laughs> what time? What um, time? Fourth. Actors should arrive at 4.30, mm-hmm. um, start time at 5, and then okay. we end at 7.
2: Cool. And this is uh, B
0: Street? It's, it's uh, Books on B at Books 1014 on B, B Street. In Hayward. In Hayward.
1: Not far from uh, – but Bart. Not far from the BART. Yes. Will, will there be an audience
0: invited? There is an audience invited. They're, they're going to close the bookstore because the bookstore st- shuts down at 5. At 5. Uh-huh. But there will be an audience. As a matter of fact, after this, when I do this, after I hit end on this recording, uh-huh. I'm going to head over there to take a look at the space okay. to see you know what we can I, and I can do and all that do. stuff. Well, my
1: yeah. shout-out is to YouTube for letting me be a part of this conversation. <laughs> and a chance no, to it's to check you guys out with your blog and what's going on. And yeah, the, thank you.
0: Um, I've got a couple of birthdays. Uh, so today, uh, Diana Blonda, uh, she and uh, I, I, she acted in, um, oh shucks, I'm looking at the poster right now, the Texas Chainsaw Musical, mm. uh, and also today's birthday, Kehinde Kahoyo, beautiful black actress, uh, and I have mm-hmm. acted with her in Bat Boy. Uh, that was a while back. That
2: was a while back. I thought she was younger than that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, no, no. She is, uh, oh, so you know Kahende. Well, you know everybody. Um,
2: Kehinde. I saw, I think, was she, um, did she do, uh, The Convert and Marin? Maybe. Wow. Maybe. I, I, I think I've seen her in something. actually no. um. Did she do – she just uh, do uh, that show with Elizabeth. Elizabeth directed a piece.
0: Now, she's – I think she's relocated. I think she's uh, on the East Coast now. Okay, so no. So um, it might have been the other one, yeah. but not that one. Tomorrow um, – well, uh, the late, great Stephen Randolph, it would be his birthday.
1: I know. Yeah, I remember I, I Stephen. Did you mention Miles Davis today's birthday? Miles oh
0: Davis head. today's I'm, birthday, that's right. That. Can Can we were cool. On there Monday, a very good friend of mine, Rochelle Bowman, a fantastic singer and actress, and we've shared the stage doing The Chain, and she was also in my mm-hmm. little mini-musical, Nia. Her birthday is on Monday. Um, a mentor of mine, Ernest Mercer, um, when I went to school at Duke Geltman School of the Arts, there was an upperclassman who was very influential in just teaching us the ropes and teaching us how serious acting was and reminding us, hey, this isn't fame. Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm. take take the work seriously. Mm-hmm. And um, so I remember him. His birthday is on Monday. Warner Von Goff. Go, oh, oh, go, go, go ahead. It. No,
2: if you got some, go for it.
0: Uh, Warren von Goff, he is another Philippine actor uh, a- acting out of uh, Bendelso studios. His birthday is also on Monday. Do I have any more? Uh, I think. That's it. That's it for me.
2: Uh, Diana torres Cos is an um, amazing musical theater artist. I, I, you know, She seems to do it all, and she, she plays a mean piano. Blair Zerubik is an actor I, uh, I've known for a long time. Uh, Brian Lohman is an um, improviser. His birthday is coming up this week. And and Homa Sanz is a um, Filipino actor. Nice. I think he's down in L.A. Last time I checked. Um, let me see. Let me see if I get his stuff. Uh, Why well, no, it you says he's an actor in Boston? Oh no, Pasadena. Yeah, that's yeah. I thought he was down. He's down down in L.A. doing his work. But amazing, wonderful actor. So yeah, we always put out these shout outs, birthday shout outs to people and I got one real yes. quick one for you. Tom,
1: yeah. Thomas Sipson, the uh, producer. Oh, Thomas, is yes, your I is you? coming right up. And uh, you know, he's Afro Solo. He is Afro Solo. He's been doing it for like, fifteen years now? Oh, I mean his an anniversary. He's 20. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I acted on his stage a couple times and it's again more opportunities for
0: African American actors yeah, and actresses yeah. to
2: so Michelle. we're always happy um, if our birthday people want to let us know what they're doing. We That's will try to promote beautiful. it. We exactly. will promote right. it on the show. Please.
0: And yeah. I wanted to promote you because you ha- not only are you an actor and a um, uh, art but consultant. Art yeah, consultant. So tell me, uh, tell us about your uh, real your quickly. I, I, I formed a
1: company called uh, Get Global Art. I, I primarily uh, support Cuban artists. I have a, a, an array of incredible Cuban art that I sell. On my site, and I also do uh, pop-ups, which are opportunities to sell art from a variety of different artists that I represent. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing that for. A good Is that
0: dot
1: com? that dot com.
0: Okay, we'll definitely put a uh, post uh, a pop-up for that for anyone who wants to buy um, uh, exquisite art. And Cuban an eye. Head up Peter Yes. Um, did you? Ha- oh, actually, uh, so let me um, let me put out some shows. Uh, in the Heights, Plethos Productions, yeah. uh, oh. the same production that's uh, producing right. Four Men in Paris. They have right now, uh, In the Heights, well, actually, they'll be opening up next week. Mm-hmm. In the Heights is a musical written by uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda yep. of um, mm-hmm. Hamilton, Hamilton fame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And they will be... Uh, Hamilton. Exactly. Okay. In the Heights, that'll be from June the 1st uh, through the 10th. So June the 1st through the 3rd, and then June 8th through the 10th at 7 p.m., not 8, but 7 at Small Town Space at 2222 Wedwood Road in Castro Valley. Also, Ubuntu is doing Top Dog Underdog. Uh, May the 18th. Uh, it opened May the 18th. It closes June the 8th. That'll be at the Water Playhouse, Waterfront Playhouse and Conservatory in Berkeley. A uh, Shotgun Players is doing Dryland. Uh, that opened May the 17th. It closes June the 17th. Um, a good friend of mine, Elizabeth Bovin, is in there. Uh, she also acted in the musical cafe uh, with me. Uh, s- a town Hall Theater is doing Sense and Sensibilities. Uh, that oh, opens right. yeah. May the 31st, closes June the 23rd. A good friend of ours, Alan Coyne, uh, will be in that. Mm. Uh, the musical cafe showcase, 2018, uh, that'll be uh, opening up June the 1st and the 3rd at the uh, Bay Area Children's Theater in Berkeley. They'll be doing four mini-musicals, Finding Medusa, The Oregon Trail Pages, The Last Ibex, and Infinite. Hmm. And uh, tomorrow I'll be having um, Joel Knopf, uh, who is one of the uh, playwrights for the Musical Cafe. I'll have him on tomorrow. And uh, last but not least, Playground. Um, they'll be doing uh, 22nd Playground Festivals in New Yorks, including Festival your Festival
2: work. New Work with Scapegoat. With and Scapegoat. And Shining Sea, both uh, new plays.
0: Exactly. Right Right and that will be running until June the 17th. And if anyone wants to come out to see Foreman in Paris at the um, at the Books on B, um, you're more than welcome. That's San on Amanda. June the 2nd. Um, Castro Valley. Well, Hayward. It's in Hayward. Hayward. It's in Hayward. 12-14. So you go to Hayward,
2: Burt, and you just walk straight up B Street, mm-hmm. yeah, it's maybe three, four blocks. That's
0: right. Limited Perfect. seating, but we'd love to have you. It's at 1214 B Street in Hayward. Mm-hmm. And we'll put a link. Uh, the, and these are for those who, let's say, for whatever reason, won't be able to make the foreman in Paris showing in, in October. Uh, you get to hear a reading or
2: to get a preview.
0: That's right. Get because a preview. Who
2: want to get a preview of what's coming later.
0: PJ, have a good time.
1: I had a great time. Thank all you, All right. Thank you, Reg. <laughs> good to hear what's going on.
0: Absolutely. OK, here's my blurb. You can find the yay on the Apple podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. You can also find the yay on iTunes. Just click on iTunes. Click on store. Use the search engine on the upper right hand side and search for the Yay. You'll find us. For Android users, download the SoundCloud app and search for the Yay. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise, if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, and we will take it from there. Also, we're on Twitter, so hit me up. Red Space Play. We're on Twitter. Yeah, uh, I've got a. I've got. I think I can create. The, I think there is a Yay Twitter. Okay. But but hit us up on our individual. Um, uh, things like Reg Space Clay, and what's your Twitter feed?
2: Uh, um, Hoosier, Hoosier
0: Hoosier. That is <laughs> Hoosier Hoosier. We'll have Hoosier. A, a link on there, but yeah, uh, hit us up on there and uh, let us know what you think of the show. Or, you know, we, we post stuff all the time, so, you know, talk to us. Tell us what's, what's going on.
2: Oh, I can get the pictures. Exactly. The
0: <laughs> and we got to find, <laughs> a, better gotta find a better sign off. <laughs> and that's it. We are out.